Okay, so the title of this message is Unleashing God's Power in Your Life by Keeping Your Love On. Um, We are looking at a book by Danny Silk called Keep Your Love On. And the message today is based on two premises. Premise number one, we were made, we were created for relationship first with God and then with others. That is why we were created. We were not meant to lone ranger it through this life. Um, And I can prove that through the Word of God. Genesis 2.18 says, It is not good that man should be alone. God saw from the beginning this is not a good thing, um, Adam doing life alone. So he created a helpmate. He created us for a relationship. Well, why did he create Adam for a relationship? We are designed to have our needs met through a relational exchange, number one, with God, and secondly, with others. Um, If you've ever wondered, you know, well, God, you know everything. Why do I need to pray and tell you what I need? He requires, just like you would with any relationship that you have, He requires us to um, put ourselves in a place where we have to crack open our hearts and express ourselves, express our desires, our needs to Him. Because it's through that expression, through that relational exchange, that our needs are actually met. So, number one, we were created for a relationship. Number one, with God. Secondly, with others. Premise two, love is a choice. And that's not necessarily a very popular opinion. A lot of people think that love is a feeling or love is this this aura around someone that you just pick up on. But no, love is a choice. How do we know that? We can prove it as well with the Word of God. We know that because God put two trees in the Garden of Eden. He gave Adam and Eve a choice because He knew that without choice, there is no love. It would not have been true love if God had put one tree and taken out the possibility of choice. That would have been God creating robots that had the inability to decide for themselves. But God was big enough that he put two trees in the garden and he gave us a choice. Without choice, we don't have freedom. And more importantly, we don't have love, which requires freedom. So hopefully in this message, you um, will allow the Holy Spirit to crack open your heart a little bit and to show you um, maybe some areas where um, fear has created places where um, it has planted some unhealthy roots in your relationships Um, but we're seeking freedom through this message, freedom to be better lovers, lovers of God and lovers of the people who he has placed in our lives. God's intention for our relationships is that they be good. He wants the relationships, every relationship in our life to be a good one. Okay. So if we're, if we base everything on those two premises, And we go from there that we were created for a relationship with people, with God, and that love is a choice. It's a decision that we make moment by moment. Then here we go. We have to be a certain type of person to have good relationships in our lives. And a lot of words may come to your mind when you, when you think, when you think about this, what type of person do I need to be? Um, to have good relationships. Some people might think honest, loving, forgiving, gracious, and all of those things are true. But I'm going to say a word that has some some connotation to it, but I want you just to take it for, for, for what it is. In order to have good relationships in our life, we have to be powerful. 
powerful. Powerful. That does not mean necessarily what usually comes um, with that word. We have a connotation to that word sometimes. We think powerful means the most domineering, the one that gets the last word, the one that gets what they want. And I want to pose to you that that in itself is not a powerful person. In actuality, that type of person that we just described is actually quite powerless. Okay, so let's look at the difference between a powerless person and a powerful person. We're going to talk about powerless people first. And if you recognize yourself in any of these qualities, write them down and take these to the Lord and say, Okay, Father, I have been powerless in this area in my relationships, in my relationship with you, God, in my relationship with my spouse, my family, my friends, my coworkers. Write these down and take them to God, okay? A good believer doesn't just hear the word. They take it. You listen to it now while you're listening to it online, but then you take it into your own prayer closet later and you hash it out with the Lord so that it can become real and life-giving to you, okay? So what's a powerless person look like? Powerless people use phrases like, I can't, or I have to. I have to go do this. I have to go to work today. I have to go see my sister. I have to go see this family member. Um, Powerless people use phrases like, I'll try. And they use that in order to kind of get themselves off the hook, so to speak. They say, I try, then it sets them up to where if they fail, well, at least all they said was that they would try. But that's actually an aspect of a powerless person. The defining driving force of a powerless person in any relationship is fear. It is fear. Powerless people may not and probably will never say this to your face, but their actions and everything they do come from a place that says, I cannot control you. It scares me that I can't control you, and because you won't let me control you, I don't feel safe in this relationship, and therefore I don't feel loved. That's what a powerless person feels like and deals with in their heart. It's fear. We all have had a a variety of relationships in our lives that have um, been wonderful, and then we've had relationships that have caused upsets. They've caused shame, or they've caused um, hurt feelings rejection, abandonment, uh, misery. Um, And we have to learn to not allow those relationships to define how we're going to go about the relationships in our lives in our present and in our future. We have to let the past be the past and let God show us how to be better in relationships now. Powerless people shift blame to other people. Well, I can't be the the man or woman of God I'm supposed to be because my spouse won't do it with me. Um, I can't be who I'm supposed to be because of so-and-so. I'm failing at this because that person at work. A powerless person is going to shift the blame. Um, If people cannot be themselves around you because there are undercurrents of control or intimidation, then you would be a powerless person. The so-called boundaries that you place on relationships that are actually walls, that's coming from a powerless place. Okay, a lot of times we have people who um, 
who, under the guise of having really strong boundaries, actually only have walls, okay? And what I found is that most of the time, I know at least for me, a lot of the relationships I've had have not been based in love. They've been based in self-preservation, and that is a very powerless place to be. Self-preservation. We don't set out sometimes in relationships to love. We set out to self-preserve, to keep the bad things that happened in the past from happening again. And that's just not the place that God wants us living. Powerless people live in the all about me. Okay, if I'm going to, and and believe me, I'm stepping on my own toes. <laughs> so if you can, if I can forgive me, then hopefully you can forgive me. But powerless people come into, say, a church setting on a Sunday morning, and they think, okay, worship team, what are you going to do for me? All right, pastor, what are you going to do for me? That's coming from a very, a very powerless place because that puts the power of your relationship with God or your relationship with others in other people's hands, and that's not, not how it's supposed to be, okay? So, We've talked about powerless people. Let's talk about powerful. Let's talk about what it means to be powerful in our relationships. Um, write these things down too, okay? If you, if you see yourself like, okay, yeah, I've got that one licked, then hey, give yourself a gold star. That's awesome. But if you feel that one of these things that I'm about to tell you that you're weak in, write it down, take it to the Lord and, and say, ask. It says, ask and you will receive. Say, Lord, I want to be better in this area, okay? I want to be a powerful person in my relationships. So, powerful people. A powerful person knows that it is not their job to control other people. It's not their control. It's not their their job, rather, to control other people. A powerful person knows that the only job they have is to control themselves, Okay, on a good day, all you can do is manage to control yourself. And that's enough, is it not? <laughs> it's enough to try and manage and control yourself. I don't know why we try and take on other people, but we do. <laughs> and, and we need help with that. Powerful people make statements like, I will and I am. As a church body, if we could catch hold of how truly powerful we are in the kingdom because of the Holy Spirit and only because of the Holy Spirit, and if we started making statements like, I am, rather than, I can't, it would change the face of our church. As a, as, and I mean, big C, the big church as a whole, the body of Christ, it would change the face of our world if we could catch hold of who we are, not who we're not. Powerful people say, I am. A powerful person's choice to love will stand no matter what the other person says or does. So no matter what attitude or what, um, what attitude or anything that your spouse or your, your daughter, your son, your family member takes on, a powerful person is going to love no matter what. Okay, we're talking about keeping our love on. Love, if God turned his love on and off with us, we would live in, in a horrific, horrific place. But our, 
our safe place and our safeguard with God is that he never turns his love off for us. His love is on constantly. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't blink. His love is on all the time. And we're supposed to be like God. We're supposed to to resemble Jesus. So our love should not be conditional. And a powerful person's love is unconditional. No condition whatsoever. A powerful person's love is on no matter what the other person says or does. A powerful person's love does not depend on being loved in return. And God is the example of this. He loved us before we loved him. Before my heart was won over by Jesus, he loved me in the days that I had nothing to do with him. On days when I looked at somebody else and wanted their love more than I could ever give attention to God, he loved me no matter what. He loved me when my eyes were nowhere near looking to him. He loved me. That's how we're supposed to love. That's how we're supposed to love. We're not supposed to love conditionally. We're not supposed to love with the expectation to get love back. We're supposed to love for love's sake because love resides in us. If God truly resides in our heart, then we love no matter what. Okay? This is the the state of a powerful person in relationships. And a person who loves in this way, in this unconditional way, This protects their love from external forces or from being managed by other people. And that's like what we said earlier. Um, If we live in a place where, where our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions and the amount of love that we give is dependent on outside circumstances, then we are going to be very um, dependent and unhealthy people. We have to be a people who, who take control and take responsibility for ourselves. It's not my job to control anybody else but myself. And I'm going to love no matter what. That is a powerful person. That's a person who will not be swayed no matter what's going on. That's a person who is going to stand in the midst of a storm, relationally or otherwise. We were meant to love people that we cannot control. Parents, you were created and you have been made a steward of this child, of these children, to show them the love of God, but you cannot control what they're going to do. You can pray, but you cannot control your children. Control is based in fear, and it will demolish every relationship in your life if you don't take that to the Father. Okay? All of these aspects of a powerless person, of being and feeling powerless in a relationship, maybe, you know, the Lord can bring to your mind, maybe it's all relationships, maybe it's your relationship with God, maybe it's just a, maybe it's just one relationship. The rest of my, of my relationships are good, but man, this one Oh, I just struggle with fear and it and it comes out in horrible ways. It comes out with me trying to control a situation or a person, to manipulate, to make myself look like the good guy, to it comes out in all these ugly ways. Take a second and allow the Lord to minister to your heart. 
to bring to your mind a relationship that needs healing, that, that you have been powerless in. Repentance means to change the way you think. So you can, you can ask the Lord, okay, what lie have I been believing? I see now that I have been, I've been acting this way out of fear. What lie am I believing? Ask the Holy Spirit that question. Write that question down. And then ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what truth would you like to put in its place? This lie that has taken up residence in my life, that has started to soil the relationships in my life, what truth can you put in its place? Ask him that question. And then tell him. And it may be more than one lie. It may be that, you know, you've been powerless in your relationships and you've known it. And it, as the Lord reveals to you the lies that you've been believing, you take one, you take them one at a time to the Lord and you say, okay, I'm going to nail that lie to the cross, Jesus. It is never, never to, to hurt me, to influence me again. And Father, I take your truth in its place. In Jesus' name. In any relationship that you're in, in your relationship with, with Christ, in your relationship with your family, friends, coworkers, we have so many relationships in our lives that have so many different dynamics. But in any relationship in your life, you are doing one of two things. You are either moving toward connection or disconnection. And there really is no in-between. There really is no in-between. You are either moving toward connection or disconnection. And God is a God that has painted a beautiful picture in His Word of a God that is seeking after connection. There is nothing in this Word that points to a God that wants to distance Himself from His people. Quite the contrary, it is, a, it is a picture and a love story of a God who did everything to make sure that his children were connected to him, that had that ability to connect with him. So when you wake up in the morning and you get ready to go to work and you are walking around your house with your spouse and with your children, everything you say, every look that you give, Every action that you take, it is either saying, I want to connect with you or I want to be at a safe disconnection with you or just a flat out disconnect with you. If God has shown us a picture of a God seeking connection through sending his son Jesus through this personal relationship that is our tie to the heavenlies, we have got to decide that we're going to be like that in the relationships, especially these close relationships in our lives. We've got to be bound and determined to, to connect. We have to be bound and determined that we're going to move towards direction. Or excuse me, to move towards connection. We've talked a little bit about fear. What's the opposite of fear? love. Okay. Fear and love have opposite agendas and opposite strategies for achieving them. Fear and love cannot coexist in a person, in a relationship, or a culture. 
You know, God tells us in his word not to be double-minded, okay? You are either your reaction to something or your words, your actions, your demeanor, it is either based out of love or it's based out of fear. And as we talked about when we talked about with a powerless person, a powerless person operates in relationships out of fear, out of I was hurt before, I don't want to be hurt again, so I'm going to put up my guard. I was abandoned before, I don't want to be abandoned again, so therefore I'm going to control this situation as much as I can so that I'm seemingly happy. Seemingly being the key word there. Love and fear cannot coexist in a person, in a relationship, or a culture. Learning to partner with the spirit of love requires you to become powerful. Learning to partner with the spirit of love requires you to become powerful. You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We oftentimes skip over that word. We think of it, you know, we haven't been given the spirit of fear, but of love. And we have. But don't skip that word. And don't be afraid to claim that you are a powerful person. In your sphere of influence in your life, you are a powerful person. You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And a powerful person takes hold of the fact that they have a response ability. The ability to respond rather than react in relationships. The ability to respond in love no matter what the result Two fundamental commitments we have to make in our relationships. Number one, it is not my job to control anyone else. It is only my job to control myself. Secondly, everything I do needs to be to build and protect connection with those that I am in relationship with. One of the most important skill sets that we have that we need to have in relationships is communication. A relationship will break down in a heartbeat if the communication stinks. My husband and I will have days, I call them our communication days, where where it just seems like the whole day was, was around the fact that we, our communication broke down somewhere and we spent the day having to sort it out. But we always come out better afterward. You've got to take the time to work on your communication. It doesn't matter who it's with. Work on communicating with God, with with talking to Him, with truly sharing your heart. Not just saying, oh God, I thank you for this day, but saying, God, I hate this. This is this circumstance I'm in. I hate it. Or saying, God, I thank you for my family. I'm so, I'm so just overjoyed by the blessings you've given me. Be real with God. Communicate with Him, but don't do all the talking. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Communication. Pray about your communication with your spouse. Pray about your communication with your children, with your friends, with your, your immediate family, your extended family, with your coworkers, with your church body. Pray and ask God how to be a better communicator. Two wonderful quotes that I love about communication is the problem with communication these days is not that 
is that we, we, we do not listen to understand, we listen to respond. So much of our issues in, in our society and in our world today are because we have forgotten how to listen. We don't listen to understand the person that we're speaking with. We listen to respond and give a reply. And that's just not the way it should be. Another quote that I love about communication, and it really, when I heard it a few weeks ago, it just, I mean, kind of just like hit me between the eyes. And it was that expectations are planned resentments. But as I've thought about it a little bit more, I'm going to have to tweak that a little bit. And I'm going to say that silent expectations are planned resentments. Silent expectations. And I have a great example of this. When I was turning um, 18, I had been at our church for about a year and a half. And I was thinking, oh, my birthday is coming up. But you know what? I'm not going to say anything to anyone because it will mean more to me if they just, on their own volition, decide to tell me happy birthday. Well, this was before Facebook notified you of everybody's birthday. So you never missed one. So since I did not communicate the expectation that, number one, hey, my birthday is coming up, I want you to tell me something, (laughs) I just decided I was going to stay quiet, and I expected everyone to drop what they were doing to tell me happy birthday. Well, guess what? That silent expectation only brought me a lot of discomfort and sadness that day because, you know, other than my parents and a couple of friends that had known me since we were you know, toddlers, nobody remembered because I hadn't told them. (laughs) They were looking at me funny all day, like, hey, you look different, but they didn't know. And I, and I had no right at the end of that day to be upset because I had had a silent expectation. I had not communicated. It wasn't fair. Silent expectations are unfair. If you are, and this may hurt a little bit, but if you are so manipulative to hold silent expectations against your spouse and then hold them responsible for not knowing and not being able to read your mind, that is an unhealthy, powerless place to be. And God wants to change that in your life for the betterment of your relationship and for his kingdom, for his glory. Silent expectations are only planned resentments and you do not have the right to to be upset if, if somebody didn't follow through with something you expected of them if you did not communicate with them. We've got to communicate and oh my goodness, I have been, I've been the worst at this. I have expected my husband to read my mind on situations and bless his heart, I put him through the ringer when he wasn't able to. And, you know, that's, that's just not, that's not right. It's not right. So we've got to be people who, who communicate with each other. We've got to crack open our hearts to kind of get over ourselves and get over that fear of, um, of being taken advantage of, especially in these close relationships that we know God has placed in our lives. And we've got to say, okay. Like that, like a friend that you just feel like things are off with, go to them and say, okay, you know what? Things have been off a little bit lately. I want to talk this out because my relationship with you means more to me than my pride, than this silence. I want to seek connection. 
I don't want to seek disconnection because that's not what God intended. So we've talked about the difference between being powerless and powerful in our relationships. We have discussed what that means. We've talked about exchanging the lies that we've been believing, that fear versus love, the places where we have been afraid and therefore we've put up walls or we have manipulated or we have just operated out of fear. We've talked about connection versus disconnection. We've talked a little bit about communication. One thing that the Lord has really put on my heart um, as of late is... um, is something I'm going to call the pedestal or removing the pedestal in our lives. You know, there there is a hierarchy in the relationships in our lives that we have to keep in order um, so that we can have successful relationships, so that we can have a healthy life. And that hierarchy is that the number one relationship in our lives should be our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because out of him, everything else flows. When we align him as the center of our lives, then everything else falls into place. His word promises us that, and I can attest to that. The moment that I told God, you are my center, you are my everything, my entire life changed. And I even, I love it, I have it written down in a journal. I wrote it out, I dated it, and I was serious. I am tired of looking for this person to fill my need. God, you are my center. And from that very day, my entire life changed. And all of my heart's desires came. They came. He, he, he allowed them or they were allowed to happen because my priority was set. God is my number one priority. In that hierarchy of relationships, God is our number one. And then it comes our family our friends, co-workers, and so on. But I want to talk about this, this thing that can get in the way, and that's the pedestal. You know, Jesus should always be on the throne of our hearts. He should be just the one that we focus on, that we worship. But so often, there comes a person or a group of people that we, you know, admire so much, or they meet some deep need in us, that we begin to focus on them more than we focus on Jesus. If when a storm happens in your life, if you go to a person before you go to God, you we may, we've got things out of whack and and I this is something I've personally been working on. My prayer has been God, help me to seek you first before I seek other people. I want to run to you Jesus before I run to somebody else. Because what can so easily overtake us is that we neglect our relationship with Jesus so much that we end up placing someone else, maybe a pastor, a good friend, um, a man or a woman on a pedestal. And when that person shows themselves to be what we can't expect them to be anything else but human, but when they show their humanness and they hurt us or they do something that that we never thought that they could, it it will shake us and it will hurt us. 
because you've placed, we've placed this person on a pedestal as perfection, as they can do no wrong. They are meeting my needs. They're making me feel loved. They're making me feel liked. They make me feel funny. They make me feel accepted. But we look to them more than we look to Jesus. And when that person on that pedestal gets knocked off because they are human and they are not God and they are not Jesus in your life, if they have been on the pedestal of your life, it's going to leave a hole and it's going to hurt. Recently, I realized that I had placed a friend of mine on a pedestal for so many years because they they met a need in me to kind of be like a sibling. To They were a great friend and they, um, they just, I just thought they could do no wrong. And when they opened their, their selves up to, to share some things that they'd been doing in their lives and mistakes they had made and they really weren't very apologetic about it, it rocked me. It rocked me. But it just, I, you know, I'm so thankful for the, for the Holy Spirit because he lovingly showed me, Ashley, you have put this person on this pedestal and that's not where they belong. That wasn't fair of you to put that person on the pedestal because he was, he's just human. That person was just human, made mistakes. He's not, you know, he's not perfection and, and no friend no pastor, no teacher, no coworker um, can take the place of God in our lives, and and we can we can make that mistake very very easily. But if we don't prioritize our relationship with God, then the place in our hearts that only God is meant to fill will be filled by a human, and that, my friends, is idolatry, plain and simple. And that, that's a hard-hitting fact, but it's true. And I'm going to say it again. If you don't prioritize your relationship with God, then your God place will end up with a human in it. If we don't prioritize our relationship with God, if my relationship with God doesn't come first, then very, very easily the place in my heart that only God is meant to fill could be filled by my husband could be filled by my child, could be filled by my friend. And that's just not the way it's supposed to be. We've got to be watchful over that. Okay? So all of this, hopefully, is, is showing us how to be better lovers, how to keep our love on, how to be um, the love of Jesus on the earth. Okay? We've talked about being powerless and powerful, um, the difference between fear and love, um, connection and disconnection, and that and removing that pedestal. The last thing I want to talk about is boundaries. And boundaries is a very important thing that kind of ties all of this together. Because are you supposed to love everyone you come into contact with? Absolutely. But here's the deal. Not everyone in your life should have the same access to you, okay? Your coworker should not have the same access that your child has, okay? They shouldn't take up the same amount of time that you invest as, as your husband or your wife. We have to have boundaries, okay? Jesus had boundaries. He loved everyone, there wasn't a person that came in the, that he came into contact with that he didn't love. 
But notice that first and foremost, Jesus would remove himself from situations to number one, go and be alone with the Father. He prioritized his relationship with God. And then he had a close following. Notice he didn't have millions that he he considered his close, intimate posse. He had 12 that were close and intimate that got a little more access to him than others. Don't allow, don't be that person that thinks that in order to be a good Christian, you've got to give yourself fully to every person you come into contact with. That is the enemy. That's his desire to burn you out, to tire you out, and for you to throw your hands up and say, I can't do this because guess what? Nobody can. Okay? On a good day, all you can do is control yourself. And on a good day, all you can do is love the ones that are closest to you. Have boundaries, rightful boundaries. And Danny Silk's book, um, Keep Your Love On It, it has great tools. If boundaries is an issue with you, it's got some great tools in there um, to talk more about that. But um, as we close, um, you know, we were meant to, again, to live this life in relationships. We were made, we were created for relationship, number one with God and secondly with others. And our relationships with God and with others in this life, it's either going to be healthy or they're going to be unhealthy in some places. And hopefully the Holy Spirit can highlight some things through this message to help you have better and more healthy relationships. Love is a choice. It is not a feeling because I tell you what, if it was, we would all be in a world of hurt because feelings come and go but you can make the decision to love no matter what. And when you do that, you are the person in power in that relationship and in um, within yourself. You hold the power, not somebody else. Because I'll tell you what, if my outside circumstances or, or anyone but me holds the power in my life, I'm in trouble. I have to hold the keys. I have to take responsibility. So I keep my love on and I am more of a depiction of Jesus and I am more in tune with his love and operating in his love and therefore hopefully blessing his kingdom when I take responsibility and I am the powerful person. When I choose to be powerful over powerless. When I choose love over fear. When I take the walls down and I allow myself, I crack open my heart to God and I allow him to, I allow that relational exchange with him. And when I allow that relational exchange with him, it's going to make it so much easier to have that exchange with those closest with me in my life. I've got to make the choice. We've got to make the choice to be powerful, not powerless to choose love over fear, to always work to build and protect connection in our relationships, to take out the pedestal, to have healthy boundaries. This is such an all-encompassing topic, but hopefully there's something in here within this message that, that the Lord has highlighted and that you can take to Him after you've listened to this. Um, so that you can have better relationships, so that your relationship with God, number one, can be healthy, and then therefore your relationships with others. 
So I'm going to pray. Father, I, we this, I thank you for this word. I thank you for shining the light on areas of my heart um, that, that needed to be called out. I thank you, Father, for showing me where I've been powerless. I thank you for showing me where I have been living from fear and not from love. I thank you, Father, that I have a new mission in my life and in my relationships to move towards connection to stop moving in disconnection and thinking that that's safer. But Lord, I thank you for the understanding that when we love this way, when we keep our love on, that that is our safe place to move towards connection. God, I thank you for for correcting me so lovingly um, about um, that, that person on a pedestal and that warning of a word to just make sure that you are all.